welcome to the Vitality Coach Podcast with the mojo maker and host, Nikki Fogden-Moore, the Vitality Expert, dedicated to helping you be the CEO of your life and your business with special industry and life-leading guests. Top tips on how you could create that magic blend of healthy, wealthy, and wise for CEOs, entrepreneurs, founders, and people who do things with life. Hi guys, welcome back to the Mojo Maker podcast. Uh, very, very special little episode today. And I guess I just wanted to give a little bit of an intro. Um, you know, I'm just about to head off to San Francisco and a lot of the topics around social impact, uh, leadership and life are really, really top of the mark for most of my conversations with leaders at the moment. And in particular, I got lucky enough to uh, have a conversation with Matt McKeldin, who's a high performance driving instructor he uh, has been driving for Mercedes, Jaguar, Holden, um, you know, all the top brands, Porsche for many, many years as a show on radio. Uh, he was also a top sports announcer in motorsport and um, also got himself on the ra- racetrack as well. So I guess today's episode is special for me because it's a really raw and real interview with someone that absolutely chose to be in the driver's seat himself. He's a uh, you know, gone on to a new, wonderful second marriage now, learned a lot from his first marriage, two beautiful kids, now blended family has four children. And he started his first day at school in real estate last week. So he's gone from a high performance life on the racetrack, still races by the way, but definitely not for a living anymore. And then all of a sudden he is learning the new ropes in a new job and spending more time at home and having to figure it all out again. So I guess I wanted to let you know this episode has some real special nuggets of information it also has a really really great guy who stands exactly for what he believes in he's not afraid to show courage he's actually experienced a lack of support when he did his change because most people are going are you crazy what are you doing you're leaving the racetrack you're going to real estate so it's really really interesting when you have to super dig deep and design a life that you want for reasons that are more than just money or fame or fortune, but it comes down to family and to love and creating a life that you enjoy on a daily basis, not waiting for things to kick in. A little caveat to this bit as well, I had to grab Matt on a Sunday morning, so he's actually recording from his car. Our audio isn't our top favorite, but to me, I don't really mind. If you can bear with us, the messengers, the conversation, and his authenticity in this interview, I hope will inspire you as much as it inspires me to hang out with people like this. So without further ado, I want to bring the show back into this episode 95 as we're heading into 100 episodes with the Mojo Maker and to share what it's like to design a life that you want and hop into co-pilot straight into the drugs. Without further ado, it's Matt McKeldin, a high-performance driving expert that has turned everything upside down. Welcome, Matt. Good morning, Nikki. How are you? And You know, one of the big parts of my series is Conversation Cast. So if you are listening to this, you're like, oh, my God, the audio quality, bear with us, because sometimes getting hold of high-performance people means going a little bit extra and outside the box. So you do have a radio show, Matt. You are used to being behind the mic, um, and now we've had to sneak you off inside the garage so your audio isn't as perfect as you love but the most important thing is your message so perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about your uh your journey in in kind of having mojo losing it and getting it back again 
I think, Nikki, probably the biggest thing for me is is I'm 45 years of age now. And the last 15 years has been really where I started to live my life. I reckon prior to that, I was probably just existing. I was doing everything that everyone thought that I should do, doing everything that social norms thought that I should do. Uh, and then when I started to, well, close to 30 years of age, I pretty well changed everything. Unfortunately, I was locked into a fairly unhappy marriage at that stage. I had a little boy. Um, and I, I hadn't done anything that I really wanted to do. And so I felt relatively trapped. And so I made a fairly brave decision. Again, a decision that I think um, uh, a lot of people find very difficult and sometimes it's viewed as quite selfish. But I also decided that this was this was my life and, and I needed to try and live it the best way possible. So uh, I, ended up, I ended up buying a race, my first race car when I was 30 years of age. I was 125 kilos, smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, drinking a litre of Coke a day, and uh, and, not, and just existing. So I ended up buying a little race car, took some equity out of the house, went and bought my little first little race car, having looked at racing my whole life, thinking, I reckon I could do that. Um, couldn't even fit into the car, so I had to then go and, and uh, lose a whole tonne of weight, gave up smoking instantly from a pack a day to absolutely nothing, uh, gave up all the bad food, all that kind of stuff. I went and lost. 35 kilos, I think, uh, jumped into the race car for my first race, ended up qualifying fourth, ended up coming second in the race, and all of a sudden, the new life of Matt McKeldin was underway. So uh, for the last 15 years, I, I've been privileged enough and lucky enough to be able to make a living out of motorsport. I went into the sponsorship side of the business, um, driving as well, obviously, was a commentator on Network 7 for a little while, calling the V8 supercars and other bits and pieces beside Aaron Noonan and that whole broadcast team. And um, it's, as you say, I sort of took control at that age of 30 and at, at 45, we've we've done it all again. So uh, it's um, something I haven't done for a long time and I'm a little bit nervous about it, but certainly the, the motivations for it now are, are uh, not just about myself, it's more now about my family. So let's just uh, rewind the clock a little bit because I think it's really interesting, especially, you know, I coach mostly, I would say maybe 80% of my clients are male, real driven, high-performing individuals. And we talk about trapped in a marriage, like feeling miserable. I usually it ends up in some sort of dysfunction. Um, you know, it ends up either in addictions or cigarettes or overeating and you just sort of whittle your personal self away and you know one of the most important things what would be your learning if you could do your time again now now that you have um you know rediscovered communication and kind of done some work on yourself do you think that you would have handled anything differently or maybe approached anything differently even if it wasn't the right marriage for you because life is an evolution what lessons would you have told your younger self going through that because i think it's really sad you're not alone. The majority of people feel trapped, out of control, overwhelmed, and that they've got lack of power in a relationship, which is really so such a shame because it's always 50-50. So what would you say to your younger self? What signs would you recognise and what communication do you think could have helped you be more of yourself in a dual partnership? I think from my point of view, Nikki, um, I was probably as an individual... Uh, I, I recognise within myself as an individual that I was a people pleaser. I've always been a people pleaser, uh, certainly throughout my 20s and that kind of thing. And I think what I tell myself now is if I, would, if I were to go back to Matt McKeldin at 21, I would say you can't rescue everybody. So I was a rescuer and a people pleaser. Uh, and I think 
whilst you whilst when you recognize that you're not a people pleaser or that you can't be a people pleaser and you can't rescue everyone you can certainly help and you can be empathetic but you know i've totally realized now that individuals are totally responsible for their own lives and their own futures and their own happiness you can't rely on somebody else to make you happy and so that was the situation that i was certainly stuck in is that that my partner at the time who ended up being my wife and the mother of my son was looking to me to make her happy and everything that we did everything i did unfortunately because she wasn't happy within herself never made her happy and so therefore it would just end in conflict I then became frustrated that I can't make her happy. Um, but, you know, again, you realise, I think, with age and maturity and all that kind of stuff, that you can't please everybody and you can't rescue everybody. Uh, and so certainly for the last, you know, 10, 15 years of my life, um, again, while being empathetic and being helpful and happy to give people advice, it's up to the individual to make the change internally. And, yeah. uh, and so yeah. therefore... I think if you can talk to somebody uh, and you can work with them to find out what their motivations are, what their struggles are and what they need and what, how they want to live their life, then you can maybe hold the hand for a little while, but it's up to the individual. Just like it was up to me to give up smoking or somebody to give up alcohol or, or any of that sort of stuff. So, you know, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I would have told my, I'd go back and tell myself is you can't rescue anyone and uh, you, you can't please everybody. And, I mean, it's another conversation why that hard wiring was even there anyway. I'm sure we're going to have that together because I can tell already we're going to have some great DNMs, uh, especially when we're screaming around a racetrack. But, um, <laughs> you know, what I love the most about this conversation is most people, we, you know, we, we don't, I like to build a house with a foundation of what are my vital ingredients. And it's not, it's not unless you're willing to really take ownership for yourself, figure out what is the DNA that makes you happy. And when we're growing up, we don't get taught to think about that. Thinking about yourself or is, is somewhat selfish, um, you know, when you're growing up or you're told, you know, whatever your family history is. So I think the biggest message for anyone listening right now is, you know, you don't necessarily have to go to therapy to discover that it's okay to figure out what makes you tick because... That is your personal responsibility. The second thing is articulating that to another person and not yes. being dogmatic about it, but saying, you know what, these are the things that are essential ingredients for me and my DNA. And I'm only just discovering them. It's a journey. It's a constant evolution. And I think there are partnerships and friendships where you can evolve and grow together. And there are some that one person will and the other won't. So taking accountability, if you're listening to this, please We'll give you some tips as well. What is your, what are your vital ingredients? You know, what makes your heart sing? What lights you up? Do you need lots of space? Like, is it, you know, please take time to figure out like what Matt has had to do through self-discovery early on and then be able to be honest about that with your partner. We put all these expectations onto others, but we're not prepared to show up for ourselves. And I, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think a really important thing there, Nikki, is, being selfish has a has a poor connotation to it, or being true to yourself is seen as being a bad thing. And you know, for a little, my first job out of school was being a was a, I was a scuba instructor. That was my first job out of school. I did that too. I loved. Yeah, there you go. So I loved scuba diving, and I did it when I was a kid with my father. So uh, my first job out of school was being a scuba instructor, and the first thing they tell you is that when you've got a student, if that student is in trouble the only way you can rescue them is if you're safe as well 
So you've got to make sure you save yourself. And I sort of think it, from, a, from a thought towards a, a life ethos, if you're not happy, how can you be a fantastic father? If you're not happy internally, how can you give 100% to your partner? If you're not happy internally, how can you give 100% to your career? You can only run the treadmill for so long. You've got to keep yourself or you can't rescue and you can't help and you can't be vital to every other aspect of your life is is sort of the way I think of it, I think. And and you know what I'm doing? I'm just about to head to the States to SOCAP and uh, to, to, to the guys that play bigger and, you know, one of the things is really digging deep. This isn't these conversations we're having are not just about leadership or men or people in positions of authority. This is a society issue. Is yeah. the courage to design the life you want and be able to define it because we're overwhelmed with shoulds. And speaking of that, last week we spoke. It was your second day at your new school, aka your new <laughs> career in life, and you were like, "I've yep. got a new week at school." Um, <laughs> and now you've gone from this incredible environment of petrol and rubber and tires and fast and everything that you know we all love to real estate and everyone's probably going what are you doing because your mates are like dude you're giving up this rock star lifestyle but you made a conscious decision that your success was also your happiness yeah a hundred percent and and uh you're exactly right in what you say I i don't think i've spoken to one person that's looked me in the eye and gone oh, okay well that's a great yeah, idea and what are you doing? But the reality is in my life now being 45, I was married five months ago to an amazing woman. So it's, it took me 14 years to go back to the to the batting crease to have another go at marriage. And, and I've got a fantastic wife, an incredibly supportive wife, which I might say none of this has come from her motivation. This has all been a choice for me. But my life, Nikki, prior to last week, was flying around the countryside, um, being in fabulous cars, meeting incredible people and leaving my family at home. And it, after a while, that gets very old. And, you know, 64 flights last year. It's only 52 weeks a year. And I did 64 flights yeah, last year. Just for yeah, fun, I thought ridiculous. that I would log them. And that's, that's, that's a heck of a lot of travel. And at the end of the day, yes, you earn good money and yes, you have fabulous experiences. But... And if I was a single guy, outstanding. What a fantastic life. But the reality is I'm not. I'm I'm happily married to a wonderful woman with two beautiful little girls who, you know, I want to be a part of their life. I want to be part of my stepdaughter's life. And, uh, And so, again, whilst it's all shiny and lovely on the outside, it is extremely hard work. It's also very dangerous work. I I know that, you know, I think one of the turning points for me this year, Nikki, was we did did an event at Bathurst uh, after the Bathurst 12-hour event and a customer of mine in the driver's seat while I was in the passenger seat reached 287 kilometres an hour down Conrod Strait. And I looked over and I immediately, getting them to back off, but that flicked a switch within me. That I thought, well, these things are not getting any slower. I'm getting a little bit older here and I'm away from my family and everything was just starting to get to the point. You know when elite sports people retire, even at the top of the game, let's think Craig Lowndes within supercars yep. right now. Just Great example. Top of his game and yet he's retiring. And people look at you with a perplexed look on their face like, well, what are you doing? But the reality is, is that you get to a point in your life where the priority of family and children and 
safety and longevity and all that kind of stuff actually play harder on your mind than necessarily, oh, I just want to go and be... Let's harness, let's harness this a little bit because I love this topic. Like, I am, I'm deep in this topic at the moment. Mm-hmm. Is who the heck decides what success is on behalf of other people? The enormous pressure... And this is going to be on my show next week, and I'm quite frankly confronted with it myself um, yep. because I would say I'm not your average human. I'm like Tigger, and I've been extremely gifted uh, with intuitive connection to people since I was a very, very young girl. I've got my own story from bus accidents and everything else, and I realized I just wasn't fitting in anywhere. Everyone was going for KPIs and for financial growth mm. and and I was like, this just stinks, you know, this just, and everyone was like, why would you not do that? And, and then the, the athletes that I was working with and the CEOs, the pressure to, on behalf of everybody else, live a life that was from the outside rock star. Or, you know, we spoke about the, the wonderful Mitch Evans from Jag Racing. Great yep. Kiwi guy, good, you know, no ego, great kid, hardworking just an all-round fantastic. That's a shout-out for you, Mitch, there, if you happen to listen to this. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've, we've got, we've edged God out of our lives a little bit with ego, success. You know, you talk about the single guy life, and it's becoming more and more generation exhibition, and people living vicariously through the top percentage of those that are deemed successful. But why do we, when you talk about but I just want to have happiness and I guess I just want to be with my family and safety. Your, our voices come down. We're almost apologetic that yeah. living life on your own terms, like, you know, getting up in the morning, going to the beach, watching your kids have breakfast at the same table, going to yep. the sports days, like love, connection, contribution and community. You can't buy those things. A hundred percent. And it, I don't think there is a simple answer to that, Nikki. I think, I think it comes from from many sources. I think it's a societal thing. It's our mates and it's our friends. And we switch on the TV and we see people driving around in these fabulous cars and living these fabulous lives, which which oh, we think are fabulous lives, which put us under an enormous amount of pressure to try and emulate that. I think it comes from a parental thing as well. You know, I think, you know, I, I certainly have had and have had very successful family around me. And mm-hmm. I think that pressure cascades over my father and I were talking about it the other day who's you know he, he was a very successful man he was the CEO of BBDO in New York I mean he was a very successful guy and he said to me the other day when we were talking about my transition from what I'm doing now into into real estate he said Matty there's no doubt of all of my boys you, you've been the most successful now again, I've got brothers. I've got an older brother who lives in a four million dollar home in Melbourne, and he's got a he's got a really big um, magazine empire and all that kind of stuff. But because, in his words, because you've done what you wanted to do, not what you thought you had to do, you, you are go. by far the most successful of, of the boys. Yeah, um, there's a lot I of parental. That. There's a lot of parental guilt too, you know, and there's also a lot of blame, the shame, blame and guilt trip. You know, our parents were just doing the best they could, right? And we get this family constellation, handed down expectations. Whatever your story, it's up to you to design what happens next. And so you decided to do that. You decided to, you're never going to give up cars because it's in your blood. No, Um, no, no. And it's, it's, it's about reshaping what your day-to-day life looked like and having the courage to sit down, number one, 
and define that, right? Okay, what would yep. great look like for you at this point in time? doesn't matter what got you to this point. Um, and then having the courage as a 45-year-old top of your game to suddenly, as you said, it's like starting at kindergarten again in real estate because you're the new yep. kid on the block. Yep, absolutely. I mean, this this, this week is, uh, this week's been an interesting week because I don't have a vocabulary around what I'm doing. Um, you know, right now I've spent four days just sitting on the phone um, talking to all of my contacts. The first rule of real estate is tell everyone you're in real estate. We're going into a market where, you know, everyone is saying, what are you doing? The market's terrible and all of that kind of stuff, which it's not, by the way, if you're thinking about buying real estate, it's yep. not terrible. <laughs> and um, cool, man, Ray White and Southport. But... <laughs> exactly right, Ray White and Southport. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's again defining and deciding what I want to do and why I want to do it, being totally comfortable with why I want to do it. And I think, therefore, the fact that I am, what I'm doing now is not scary. I feel a little bit lost at the moment because I don't have a vocabulary and a knowledge, but I'm not scared in any way, shape or form about making a complete change within my career. Um, again, I think over the, over the decades before us, there's been that whole stay in one company with one job in, in one career for the whole, the whole time. I think my generation is possibly that first to go, oh, I'm going to have three or four careers now, you know, scuba diving instructor, commercial director in motorsport, broadcaster, and now I'm coming up to my fifth and now I'm into, uh, into real estate sales. So um, I think that pressure is around us all the time, social media, television, magazines, uh, family, parental, guys and girls are under enormous amounts of pressure to do what is expected, not what they want. So let's talk a little expected. bit about the, I call them blurts, right? So let's say your A column is, this is the stuff that I'd really love. And then your ego, which is not your amigo, is going, don't be so silly. Why would you give that up? Blah, blah, blah. So what blurts came up as you were working through uh, your, this is my remarkability list? What? Because all they are is just stories that we've been conditioned to. Once you put them on paper, you can go, not relevant, doesn't matter, not my shit whatever you know you but what happens is people ruminate and they leave the blurts and they let their head rule their heart and they over rationalize so i would say write an a column write a b column and then you can see what the facts and stats are so what were your blurts that your brain was coming up with not not what necessarily your friends said to your face but it definitely would have been in the back of your mind um and isn't it funny that no one said, the first thing I thought of when you told me was like, awesome, you know, good on you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and we had this I great conversation around it. Yeah, haven't had too much of that. Um, I think, I think Nikki, probably the biggest concerns for me were personal that had nothing to do with the career. Will I be able to deal with the pressure of sales? Will yeah. I, will I be able to deal with, getting up and going to an office every morning with a desk uh, and and a sales target and expectations of all of that kind of thing. Am I going to be able to deal with that? Remembering that my office has been a racetrack for the last six or seven years. And it's not, it's not every day, you know, there, we would probably work nine months a year in the driver training field. So you get three months off a year. So am I, so there was concern, not concerns. There were questions in my own mind as to how I was going to deal with that. Um, there was even a question, there was even a concern for a little while there, how are we going to operate within our family unit with me being here all the time? Because that's yeah. going to change and has already changed 
the dynamic within our house. Because I traveled so much, Helen's, my wife's little girls are not used to me being in the house all the time. So there's that little, there's that dynamic shifting as well. So it was interesting that, that during that process, none of it was about the job. It was all about the external stuff. Am I still going to be able to race? Um, how am I going to integrate my radio show um, with the real estate? How was I going to do all? So it was all the periphery of how I was going to be able to do that. But none of it was, you know, when you look at some things sometimes and you go, well, that simply can't happen. Like if I said to myself, I want to fly to the moon. I want to go and be an astronaut. I want to fly for NASA. I want to do all of that sort of stuff. The reality is, Nikki, that's a fair chance that's not going to happen at 45 years of age. But there was, there was, you know, I may become wealthy enough that I can buy myself a seat on Richard Branson's jet and I might be able to get to the moon. But the reality is, in all of the stuff that I thought about, about the, the position and the job and all of that kind of thing, there were no struggles around the actual role. It was all the periphery stuff, which could all be, which could all be managed and all be talked about and all dealt with internally by me and also with my wife and my family. So, Did you write these things down? Like, did you actually brainstorm it or did you just calculate and sort of do a process of deduction in your head? Exactly. I, I do a lot of internal thinking, um, mm. possibly too much, too, too much that I should. Um, but I, I am an analytical person and I do tend to think of absolutely every outcome here what, what are the possibilities? So maybe not analytical, maybe strategic. It was a strategic thought around everything. It's what are the possibilities of success? What are the possibilities of failure? Uh, my own failure. What are the possibilities or, or what are the potential risks to the family? Um, even though I was taking away physical risk, what are the risks of me being here in the sense of the change of the shift within the family dynamic? Um, am I going to come home now having worked 10, 12 hours a day and, and uh, roll in the door at six, seven o'clock at night and just want to fall asleep instead of engaging with my family at the dinner table. So, I mean, I went down to that really micro sort of thoughts yeah, about great, how it right. work. Yeah. Um, so uh, there were not, I've had wonderful support from everyone. Anyone that has said, once they understand why I'm doing it, they've all said, oh, you're going to be great at that, man. You're going to kill it. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's going to be great. So I've had a lot of encouragement from other people once they understand why I've been doing it. So my internal fears, my internal concerns, my internal worries or issues have all been thought about, uh, rationalised, and then, you know, again, with anything within thought or potential perfect, once you get into real life, it doesn't necessarily play out that way. So, but at least we know now or are starting to understand how it's all going to work and all of that sort of stuff. And we'll just, we'll just, you know, if there's, if there's hurdles or issues or whatever, when you're in a great relationship and in a great place with a great family, you get past them. You talk about them and you move past them. Well, this is, I think the final point that I want to talk about is people talk about resilience, but I prefer the word agility. Um, because life, you know, you know that I'm writing, my next book is all based around this rally analogy. So, uh, you know, having a good pit crew and, you know, rallies are, it's not like Formula One where someone comes and picks a little bit of lint off the, the uh, track, you know, rallies <laughs> are all conditions, all seasons, all terrains, like anything can happen. And, and yep. you don't, you know, you have to, and you've got this co-pilot and you have to be prepared. And the guys that are on the podium are time and time again prepared for anything can happen. So I always find it hilarious when I'm sitting in front 
of a board of directors and we're talking about change or budget cuts. I'm like, this isn't your first rodeo. I mean, why are we so surprised? Or when mm-hmm. there's a family breakdown or when there's a challenge, I'm like, hello, this is just life. Like, so we, but you know, and so when you change your perspective and you, you strap on your cowboy boots and you hop into the driver's seat, it's more fun because you're like, what's it going to throw at us? There's always a solution. So having that confidence in self and confidence in your family unit and communication. So instead of ruminating, there's a lot of people that do strategically think like you do, but it doesn't come out and then people are left in the dark. So in order to get your spouse or your friends or anyone on board, you need to say why you're doing something. You can't just go, I'm changing. If you want people's support, you have to be prepared to stand in your own corner and go, this really resonates with me. This is really important to me. And then the shift in support is suddenly, you know, audible. But if you just go, I want to do it, and you're not giving people any insight, then it's on you that there's no support. So insight and communication means agility instead of just going, we just got to get through it. I really find we're in this dangerous landscape in society where people say, this happened to me or this went wrong, or this we've lost our job, or a budget cut, or my my partner is, you know, this, that, and the other, and instead of sitting down and going, what's the next best thing to do? So how do you teach your beautiful blended yeah. family about agility now, and, and that they don't have this pressure to talk about things uh, openly? I think, Nikki, you're 100% correct, and, and I think, you know, to almost summarize in just a couple of words what you were saying there it's about uh taking self-responsibility and and nothing happens to you things happen but then it's how you manage your reaction to that that determines whether that was a good thing or a bad thing or or whatever so how do we teach our kids we we teach our kids about self-responsibility and communication you know i didn't do this or this happened to me at school and we will drill down and say well why did that happen did you do this? Did this happen? Did that happen? And so I think the best way to manage situations like that is that there A, has to be self or acceptance of self-responsibility. And then I also think from a mindset point of view, I think there needs to be an understanding that life is changing. It will always change. Exactly what you talked about with the rally there and in your new book, which is going to be fabulous, no doubt. Um, life doesn't stay the same. There is not, there is not, the three bedroom house with two children that go on to be doctors and you work for the one company your whole life and the economy is fantastic and social norms don't change life changes and you've got to be ready and you've got to be willing to understand that life changes and and how you then decide whether it's a good change or a bad change is up to you um i've got i've got some people who are supportive of me but completely unsupportive of themselves they will yeah. ring me and I, and I always say the same thing, which I've got to stop doing. I'll say, how are you? It's in my nature to ask people how they are. I'll go, how are you? The next half an hour is negativity and it's, and it's, and it's woe is me. And it's, and I get to the end of the phone call and I'm exhausted. And I, I've occasionally told some of these people, man, no wonder you're so tired. Everything is so negative. And yet these people, live in great houses and they have great jobs and they've got healthy family and they've got their own health. And I, and so I think if people don't understand that life changes, the woman that I married five months ago is not going to be the woman I'm married to in 10 years. She is going to change. And if I'm not 
comfortable with that change or if I'm not comfortable with, you know, her body changes and her and, and all those sorts of stuff, then we shouldn't have got married. Um, so everything in life changes. I'm going to change. My children grow up. I've got two older children, 21 and 22. I hardly, well, I try and speak to them, but whereas they used to ring me for everything, now I'm ringing them. The whole catch in the cradle thing, I am ringing them every day saying, hey, how are you? What's going on? Yeah, good, Dad. I'm busy. I've got to go by. So everything changes. And if you're not comfortable or understanding that that is going to happen, you're behind the eight ball. You're in real trouble. Yeah. So I think the with that understanding of change comes the agility. That means that you can move. That means that when something changes, it's not a blind side. It's not a broad side. It's not going to sit you on your backside. No. And so I think it's it's a preparation of life to understand that things are going to change and things are going yeah. to not be the same all the time. And you just got to be ready to deal with that and then take the self-responsibility to be able to then react to that, hopefully in the best way possible. And I think we could spend an entire episode or possibly a week talking about the lack of self-responsibility in society and perhaps why that has occurred. But that's not the purpose of today's episode. The purpose of today's episode is to talk about the importance of personal mojo and to share your story and for you to be a beacon of, you know, authority on, you know, I'm in charge of designing the life that I want personally and commercially. So what are three things from our chat or just, I always love to give our listeners and viewers just three little nuggets, nuggets uh -huh. of wisdom from beautiful yep. guests that I have such as yourself. And, you know, when you're talking, I'm constantly thinking of the racetrack and turns and anticipation because I just love the I love driving. I love the analogy and and I believe that we really all should have a good co-pilot. So having someone and that may change going through life. What would you sure. have just three quick takeaway points? Anyone they might be driving right now listening to this, who knows what they're doing? Um, but what would just three little nuggets be from this little message from you, Matt? I think the first one from me, the biggest one from me, and again, it's what I've taught my kids, don't be afraid. Don't be scared to make a decision to follow. And, and it sounds so corny, Nikki, but don't be afraid to follow your dreams. Because when we were little kids, people always asked us in school, what do you want to do when you grow up? And we said, you know, someone said, I want to be a nurse or I want to be a fireman or I want to be an astronaut. And somewhere along the way, we got beaten down or we were, we changed our mind because somebody else said that this was unattainable or any of that sort of stuff. So first, my, my 21 year old son is a musician. How can I, when I followed my dreams in racing, how can I tell my son, mate, there's not a big future in heavy metal guitar rock. Uh, so give it up and go and do a commerce degree. How can I do that when I followed my dreams? And right now he's just released his first single and he's having a great time and he's loving life. So, don't be afraid. Absolutely follow your dreams, no matter how silly or stupid you think they are. Um, and if that means that, and if you can make your, and again, it's, I know it sounds so corny, it's been written in a million books. If you can do what you love for a living, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. My daughter works for horses. My son's a musician. Find out what your true center is, your true passion is. And if you can try and firstly participate in it and then even better make a living out of it, go for it. If that only means you earn 500 bucks a week, so be it. If it means you earn five million bucks a week, fantastic. Whatever, but you'll be happy. So uh, don't be afraid to follow your dreams. First and foremost, is always my biggest, uh, my always my biggest um, talk when I speak to kids and all of that kind of stuff. Um, secondly, don't be so hard on yourself. We are so hard on ourselves. Yeah. We are so prone 
program that by 21, we've got to have a degree. And then by 25, and we've got to have a body like, I'll show my age here, like Elle McPherson. And we've got to look like this. And then we've got to be married by 30. And we've got to do, and we've got to live in a big house. I hate to swear, bullshit. You've got to be happy. That's what you've got to be, first and foremost, because that makes you then a vital, um, a, a vital producer in society because you're a happy individual. So uh, just go easy on yourself. Take some time, work out what you want, do all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then I think probably the third thing that I always, I always say to people is be ready. Just be ready. Preparation is the key. If you want something, work for it, prepare for it. And if that means a relationship that's not going well or whatever, go and get counselling. Drop your pride, drop your ego. Drop social norms. Look at your wife. And again, I should have, this is an answer to a question you asked me earlier. It's what I would have said to my 21 or 22-year-old self is drop your pride, drop your ego, prepare to be wrong, admit that you're wrong, celebrate your successes and your wins uh, and just work, try and work your life with people around you who are good teammates. Yeah. Just like rally, just like racing, just like everything, just because they're your family, just because they're so-called friends, as you said, as you develop, you may drop some of those people. A lot of people due to their own sadness will hate your success. They will they will, even family, they will potentially try and hold you back, even though they know they're not doing it necessarily outwardly, the negative. Matt, why would you go into real estate? It's a really bad market right now and it's and it's retracting and, you know, why would you do this? And what, that's holding back. That's not, yeah. that's not support. That's so, so don't be afraid. Go easy on yourself. Take it, take, take, give yourself a bit of a break and then just be prepared to move and to act and to do the research and just be careful about who you have around you. Be polite, but don't invest all your time and your, and your emotion in people who may be holding you back because they're holding you back because of their insecurities, not because of anything that you're actually doing. Yeah, and fantastic. You know, so having a great pit crew, knowing the race that you're in, um, being visionary, uh, yep. having courage instead of, you know, being curious or replacing your fear with curiosity and also doing what you love, even if you can't do it for a full-time job, just never stop something that lights you up on a daily basis. Dream and, big. And I love that as well. I, it, it comes down to doing the work. You know, we put so much time into budgets for projects at work, whatever else, but people don't invest anything in their personal relationships. They'll read yeah. books on success and financial capacity and literacy around investment, but the, next to their bed in the evening is not how to communicate in a loving relationship. The new landscape yeah. of marriage 101. You know, what is fantastic sex look like who knows nobody works on the personal stuff but they're very happy to say i'm reading this book from forbes on you know so this is okay but to do so we want to bring to the forefront that you must work a lineage uh, at the same time for commercial and personal growth is a constant job it is doing the work but it's surrounding yourself with people that want to have those conversations and say not just are you okay but how can i help good on you mate opening up the dialogue as mates stopping with the ribbing you know it's at a certain yep. point it's not okay to go dude and to make all these comments derogatory comments when people are married and they have a family they're trying to do the right thing for god's sake support them um yep. we need more morals in society more structure more framework we need people to feel like doing the right thing really matters 
um, because yep. we've become so disconnected. So your story is certainly one of those, Matt, and, and I just love watching your journey. And I, I knew the moment that we hopped in that car and I annoyed the socks off you with, with Jody that you were laughing <laughs> off, that, um, that I had a kindred spirit. This has definitely been one of my, you know, most enjoyable um, episodes to do with, with a lover of life. Um, yep. And it's great to see you sharing that energy and also those tips, not only in your inner circle, but your sphere of influence as a as a person on air uh, and as a male role model in the community now um, in Southport. So thank you so much, Matt. We can find you, uh, Matt McKeldin, the newest team member of Ray White Southport. Um, yep. you know, and that's an exciting journey to watch. We'll also include some links to your racing. Um, we'll put some great photos in there. I'll put your tips. Is there anything else that you'd like to add um, just before we finish and, and sign off together? Oh, Nikki, I, I just want, you know, I want men to probably understand that we are, you know, we are, we are tough, but be sensitive. Don't be afraid of being sensitive. And uh, love your wife, love your kids, love your life so much male depression and sadness and all that sort of stuff going around. But, you know, we only get one run at this and it's a cracking life. Should you decide that you want to make it a cracking life? It's absolutely up to you. And what that cracking life looks like, it's going to be different to me, different to you, different to my kids. And that's okay. So just, just be you boys, look after each other and, uh, and, and go for what you want to go for. Don't be afraid of, don't be afraid of failing because, you know, for every successful person, they failed a million times. So, uh, you know, be happy and come and see me next week at the Gold Coast 600 as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, definitely probably going to have you on board with, with the Dude Retreats uh, next year as well. For those of you oh, listening, I've been running these for a long, long time, the man break without the handbrake. No offence to, to beautiful partners out there, but we need <laughs> you know, a safe high octane environment for some of these real time discussions to happen for high performing men. And, and that means yep. having a really fun place to play and talk side by side. So I can't wait to, to have you, um, hopefully. Be to be um, so thank you for your time. Fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun and that really what should be life is. So enjoy the Sunday with your family. Thank you for giving up your personal time this morning. Um, I can't, I really can't wait to, to catch up and do a black around the track. And as always, it's a real pleasure. If you're listening to this, don't forget, you can hop on to vitalitycoach.com.au for the full uh, transcription story about Matt and the show onto YouTube, Vitality Coach TV, the Mojo Maker podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Fogdewar, my guest, Matt McKeldin from the Gold Coast of Australia, talking about all things about you being in the driver's seat of your life because people, you will not get a new body tomorrow from FedEx. This is it and there is no time like the present so leave us some comments we'd love your review on itunes it really rings a lot you can hit me up for a copy of vitality or fitpreneur either on my site signed ones on amazon booktopia worldwide and you know i love to talk for a living so i can't wait to connect you with my tour in 2019 once again thanks for being part of this incredible show and everything that we're involving you stay healthy wealthy and wise Thanks for tuning in. As always, we'd love your review on iTunes, or you can jump online to thevitalitycoach.com.au. For more from Nikki, to sign up for the Monday Mojo and the Vitality Coach TV on YouTube.